Um, what I'm thinking that we may want to do is actually do the picks and the podcast and then post some bonus content. So we'll keep recording after the picks and I'll just put up another audio file. So, so here's my here's my question. Um, CPAN was, um, you know, for years, sort of the gold standard that that uh, other packaging systems uh, were held up to, and, and sort of the thing that for years in, in Rubyland we were like, oh, when are we going to get our CPAN? Um, and and Gems is really um, has really you know m- uh, improved by leaps and bounds uh, to a system that's in many ways comparable. Um, one of the things that people um, are confused by uh, when they're getting into the Ruby ecosystem is the gem names um, and the the sort of organization of gems or or rather lack thereof. So like if you look at a, at a CPAN, um, what you see is this sort of self curated hierarchy. So you have like um, if if I'm looking for an XML parser based on libxml, um, I'm look at XML colon colon lib XML and then underneath the XML lib XML library there's a bunch of um, there are a bunch of sub modules of that and related modules of that so there's like um, uh, I don't know there's you know the different parts of it like you know lib XML sacs so if you know you want a sax parser it's it's XML lib XML sacs you know it's this sort of fairly logical hierarchy of libraries um, whereas, you know, if I want it for Ruby, I need to know that it's called Nokogiri. Right. Um, well, <laughs> thoughts on that are, you know, do you think about like adding some kind of, uh, categorization or hierarchy or anything along those lines or, or, you know, how do you feel about that? So my experience, I came from .NET, so I'm happy with friggin' anything. <laughs> uh, I... I don't have that same pro experience, so I, I haven't thought about adding it. And to be honest, I, I don't know if it would help. I don't want to go through the 182,000 and categorize them. Right. <laughs> and so I think that's something where metadata can shine. And I think that's something where we can say, okay, uh, your uh, Abdi's categorization service will look at this attribute or this thing, and then we're going to display those in a category. So then you can go look there if you want to browse that way. And then we would right. promote that or what, if it, if people liked it. So As far as I know, there's no, like, for, for Perl, I don't think there's any kind of central category authority. It's just sort of a self-maintained system. You know, somebody, somebody starts, you know, the XML namespace, and then somebody else, you know, adds another module to that name, you know, names their own, their module, the same thing, you know, or, or with the same prefix. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely sick of the silly names, but I don't know if there's a good general way to solve that problem. That isn't going to be chaotic or piss a lot of people off. Well, you know, I don't, I don't completely hate the silly names either. Like I, I think there's one advantage of that, which is that, I mean, what if there are two competing, you know, XML parser libraries based on libxml? 
Um, is one going to be called like, called like libxml and the other one called XML lib? You know, I actually kind of like the fact that we have memorable names uh, for for different you know takes on a problem. I like that too, and I think that um, having the uh, like official sounding names that carve out the namespace or, or the or, or like a some turf in the namespace. I think that's actually a little bit of a problem. I I know that um, when uh, John Tripiano came out with Rack Rewrite. I think a lot of people assumed that it was like part of Rack and that was how you were supposed to be, you know, it's like the officially sanctioned way of doing uh, URL rewriting in your application. And, you know, I came out with the informal gem, which I, I kind of like the way it's named, but it doesn't say anything about Rack or rewrite in the name. And, you know, I think that can make it harder for people to find. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a problem. I want to yeah. throw down on the crazy name side. I mean, uh, Nokogiri means chainsaw in Japanese. That's my entire <laughs> argument right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, its motto is the best. It's like violence. Right. What is it? Right. XML yeah. is like violence. If it doesn't solve your problem, you're not using enough of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so back to the C-Span C thing for a minute. Whenever I see it, read it, or hear it, I'm always thinking C-Span. <laughs> It just takes me to a completely different place. <laughs> you just fall asleep immediately in front of a congressional hearing. That, that's right. I need some. I, I knew I, that. I, I I sometimes feel like someone's filibustering my uh, my bundle install. Yeah. <laughs> Not my fault. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to build a an add-in for bundle now. This bundle filibuster. <laughs> purposefully slows it down some more that's right <laughs> so uh so as long as we're doing after show stuff um I, nick i want i want to hear about uh your grading of our dramatic reading of the uh rubygems.org source oh, it, it was really good i liked it it was a good episode i i don't i don't know if i have any other specific critiques it was just fun it was fun to hear you guys read through something i think you guys should do more of it the whole time he was sitting there going, you guys are missing everything. <laughs> you, guys, you guys missed a few things, but I mean, everyone knows that. I think that's just a natural part of it. And to be honest, like, I would like doing that too. I don't know if people found it helpful, but I think that's a fun experience and people don't. Like, they definitely, I get intimidated when it's like you open up and you just see like a mess. Like, open up the Git code someday and look at it and, and then you just get scared just by the pure sight of the directory. So, so I think... I think that experience of like going through and showing how others are reading code is great. So I have another question. Um, I'm wondering, I mean, back when there was the whole argument over Ruby gems and slim gems, did, did that really affect uh, rubygems.org all that much? Or were they just going to use the same APIs that Ruby gems uses? No, I mean, and I know Lauren's really angry about it. still. at least maybe he is. Um, so that was, that was a mess. I, but there was some poor maintainership, I feel, that was going on from the RubyGems side. And I'm not going to lie about, about it. I was really angry, too. But uh, I think the – and, like, there's, of course, nothing wrong with forking and going on your own direction and making sure that things work. And uh, if that made things work for Lauren, who's the guy that wrote some gems, that's awesome. That's good for – that's great. But uh, I think like, if I had my say, he, Lauren would be on the RubyGems team. And he would be responsible for maintaining all the things that they took out that Slim Gems added back in. But from a RubyGems.org side, it didn't it didn't affect anything. And in fact, 
we need to start, one of the things that we should add is we should start tracking user agents. So people, uh, when you request a gem, uh, it sends along the user, user agent with the version of Ruby gems you have. So I think that's a telltale sign. And I think right now, uh, I think Ryan on the Ruby gems team, he built some scripts to like parse the logs for it to see what the adoption rate is. And usually it's pretty good. Like not everyone is running one three from several years ago, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think for the most part, like it didn't affect me, but I, I, I felt this pain. Like I think everyone did. Like when you get a butt ton of warnings that spit out at you and you don't know what to do. Oh, yeah. I think, I think that overall that's a poor way of communicating things. I think one thing that the we need to uh, – the Ruby Gems client side is a very different piece from the server side. It needs to be uh, a little more stodgy and conservative than we can. I mean, it can't. It needs to run only on Ruby. It can't have any magic stuff. It needs to work on a, every friggin' platform that Ruby works on, especially Windows. So when things break there, it kind of stinks. And yeah. they need to realize, and I think that they do, they have now. We, we talked a lot about it internally, and there's some turmoil. And I think we're, over, and it's for the most part over it, that communicating things that are changing in Ruby gems is different between people that write Ruby gems and people that use Ruby gems. And for a long, long time, it was only people that the only, I think, case of users was people that wrote Ruby gems. Cause if you wrote Ruby gems then you use Ruby gems and now there's like just a whole class of consumers and producers. So I think now like they finally, they heard the, the the cry and the call. So hopefully things will be better. I'm optimistic. All right. Yeah, that's a great point that, you know, when Ruby Gems would change something and deprecate something, it would throw 50 million warnings at the user who couldn't do anything about it. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah so another question I have is, um, what's your favorite part to work on in Ruby Gems? Yeah, that's a good question. Like if there was one part that you could just sit around and fiddle with and just, you know, no consequences, you know, just, just see what you could do with it, what would it be? Uh, I think either the bundler stuff that's new or the old or the gem server. I, so this is with rubygems.org. So basically it's terrifying because, like, if you break it, then uh, everyone can't install gems. But at the same time, we need it to be really f- – we need like the gem install endpoint to be really fast. So that's fun to play with. And uh, the bundler endpoint needs help. So I would love to work on that more. To be honest, it hasn't been touched in since we wrote it. Um, me and my co- old coworker, Matt, we wrote it in, over the summer and we haven't touched it since then. So I'd love to work on that more and see what the bundler team can cook up. However, their time is very limited as well. Right. And uh, I'm also a little bit curious as to maybe what the most challenging parts are. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely, I think the hardest thing in there is probably the indexer. Mm-hmm. So that's the, what I said was like the easy wrap, like what the whole app is, is just a wrapper around the indexer. And I think that's definitely the uh, one of the harder parts because it's doing a lot of different queries on the database to figure out what gems are the right ones to pick. And then it just does a lot of manual processing. So it has to say like, okay, once I get all the gems, I need to throw that up on S3 and I need to do some other magic bits. Uh, 
in order to get it ready for people to use. So that part, I think, is like the core of what those few months after that first RailsConf I went to was figuring out. And it, largely, it hasn't really changed. Like the part to upload to S3 has changed, but and the part of querying the database has changed. But I think the whole part of understanding what the heck RubyGems needs is not easy. And that was part of the gem cutter, the, the process was figuring, it was decrypting and understanding what was going on inside of it. So that part I think is probably the hardest. The rest of it is really easy. And you guys definitely did an awesome job of like going through the models and like the domain model is really simple and it's a pleasure to work in. I think it's that backend junk that is uh, easily the, the, the hardest thing. Hmm. So, uh, if, if I guess somebody already asked this though, I was going to ask, you know, if somebody could contribute something to it, that's not already there, what would it be? So I talked a lot about the API, but there's other things on the site that kind of stink. Uh, the stats pages, we've had a lot of trouble with lately. Um, basically right, we had a lot of trouble running a cron job and, uh, not so much that cron job, but more so the, um, more so the stat, like the graphs, I, I don't think they're very nice. Uh, I, I wrote the ones that are like on the profile pages, but someone else wrote the ones that are like for each gem, and they look kind of crappy overall. Like if I had my choice right now, I'd tear them all out. And I'd, instead, I'd write an API to let people fetch all that data and then write their own graphs with and have fun with, because they would probably produce a lot better looking things than I would. Um, so and that would be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, please. Uh, as for other things, um, I think we talked a lot about redoing the API. Uh, Eric uh, Michael's over and I did, and um, he wrote an API wrapper for the site, and uh, that's part of why I picked him as a contributor is because he intimately understands what's going on, and he like obviously found a lot of inconsistencies and had a lot of questions, so he kind of. And my answers were usually like, well, that's just how I did it. <laughs> and that's the answer for a lot of RubyGem stuff. And he came up with uh, a few things that we could do if we were to make another version of the API. And I think that that would be a nice thing to do. And that would be really easy as well because all the code is there. It's just changing uh, what's returned in the like the endpoints and stuff. So that would be fun to work on. It's just a whole brand new version of the API, and then we can have things be more cleaner and consistent and easier to use from a developer perspective for people adding on more stuff to RubyGems. Cool. Did, did you guys have any other questions, James or Avdi? No, I think I'm satisfied. I just wanted to say thanks, Nick. I mean, geez, you have a really complicated process that's at the heart of, you know, uh, what we do every day and it's kind of cool just to hear it broken down yeah thanks yeah likewise <laughs> thanks a lot yeah been fun thanks guys